And welcome back to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is where we take a look at the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective and in an effort to try to understand what's going on and, and not be blinded by the the understanding that we might get if we look at it through a worldly perspective. And with me is Dan Delzell, author at the ChristianPost.com, has many articles that he's written, and he's also a pastor at Redeemer Church in Papillion, Nebraska. And, and Dan, we know we've been talking about in this country has been going through a lot of turmoil, a lot of political issues, and we've kind of overlooked some other things uh, that have been going on in our country for a very long time. You know, the political scene has been consumed with the president who's going to be leaving office here in a few days. And yet they still want to go after him and impeach him. And, and then other companies are now like dissolving business contracts with him and, and they're trying to ban him on, and they are doing it, censoring him on social media and other things. And, and there's just this real obsession with the guy that really the only thing he had in mind was to do that, which was best for the country. And I think a lot of people that are objective will realize that, that he did a lot of great things for our country, but it's like they had this obsession with him and, when you ask people why don't you like the president, they really don't have an answer. It's it's he's racist, he's sexist, he's this, he's that. But there's no real tangible like he didn't allow us to prosper, or he you know shut down the banking regulations and therefore cost me money, or you know it's 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 nothing like tangible that was like he was bad for the country because his policies right. were bad. It was he's bad for the country and he's bad. He's just a bad dude because. Of stuff like this. And then, like, you know, if you remember the whole cage thing, you know, he, he had kids in cages, but then we find out those were actually created under the Obama administration, you know, and so, so anything that they tried to tie to him really wasn't something tangible enough for them to focus on that made this country bad. It was just the personal attacks. And it got me thinking, you know, what if the people in Capitol Hill spent that much effort, that much zeal and vigor? on trying to solve the problems of the nation, like, for example, let's say homelessness, or maybe even like have real immigration reform or other issues that would really affect this country and make this country better. But what we've been doing the last four years on Capitol Hill is basically just an obsession with a guy and then nothing to help the country. And now when we look back at the last four years, outside of the things the president might have done to help us, minus COVID, obviously, you look at the good things that he's done, but you could imagine if he had the support of the rest of Congress, the good things we could have done in this country and where we would be four years later? Oh, it's just, you can't even imagine, Son, how much more would have been accomplished. I mean, you know, folks were regularly, you know, going through his list of accomplishments, and it was hard to believe how much got done. Uh, When you look at, you know, everything he worked on, um, from the economy to, you know, international affairs to, um, you know, immigration and border issues, uh, to just, just so many, uh, so many things. But I, I think there were, you know, there were so many people that hated his politics. I mean, let's face it, you know, his, his manner and his approach didn't win him any friends. Um, you know, but his, his politics for, for millions of people, were so refreshing because, um, you know, he seemed to, uh, you know, be trying to steer things back toward, toward the people, not, not bigger government, but what, what's best for the people. And, and they seemed to hate him for it. 
And, uh, you know, as you were, as you were sharing that a moment ago, I was just thinking on how, you know, on a spiritual level, they hated, they hated Jesus because of his message. Um, they hated Jesus because he was a threat to their power. Uh, the religious leaders of his day hated him. Um, it didn't matter how many people he helped in their eyes. It didn't matter how true his words may have been. It didn't matter that you couldn't pin anything on him because he was spotless. Um, you know, they hated his message, and so they hated him. Uh, that was, a, you know, of the greatest person who's ever walked on this earth. Uh, now, uh, if that can happen spiritually, uh, you know, it can also happen politically. I mean, Trump, of course, uh, is not a, a spiritual leader, but he, he has been uh, serving as a political leader, uh, you know, the leader of the free world. And just as, as the Pharisees hated Jesus' message because it threatened their power, um, you know, many of those who are into big government hated Trump's message because it threatened their power. And nobody wants to have their power taken away. And I mean, my goodness, I mean, look at all the issues he ran into um, just by trying to clean some things up in the FBI and the Justice Department. I mean, everybody wants to hang on to their turf. And, and when somebody comes in and, and starts to stir things up, it isn't going to just be, um, you know, somebody who's just going to play by you know, the old rules where, um, you know, the few make the decisions always for the many. And, um, you know, I mean, Trump, you know, said, Hey, I don't want to play that game. Um, and so they hated him. Uh, now granted, I mean, he made plenty of mistakes, including of course, you know, the mistakes he made with the, the rally and, um, and then, and then encouraging the folks and telling them, Hey, go to, you know, March, March to Capitol Hill, um, you know, March to the Capitol and, and so forth. Now, um, you know, Hey, what's, what's done there is done. It was a tragedy. Um, you know, I mean, you know, there were dozens, if not hundreds of terrible protests this year, uh, you know, by, uh, you know, Antifa and groups like that. And, and this, you know, this, this group of extremists, um, among the, the tens of thousands that day, um, the group of extremists who charged into the Capitol, uh, I mean, they were obviously just as wrong as, as the uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of protesters all year long and all summer long, uh, who were uh, committing crimes as well. So you know, it it it, it goes both ways. You've got um, you know bad things that people have done as they've gotten all worked up into a lather, and uh, and Trump is like the fall guy for a lot of the the, the folks' the emotions and their anger at you know. I think frankly, son, a lot of people you know on the left, they they just hate seeing this many people rallying for for truth and and the left by nature by their very dna it's to lock people down it's to shut people up no wonder you know the the the, the big tech leftists and and the others on the left i mean why why that's a marriage made in hell be, be, because they love to shut people up and jesus ran into that you know the pharisees wanted to shut him up um they didn't care how many people he healed um and i totally agree with you i mean you know politicians had focused more on uh, you know, uh, homeless issues and, and other issues, you know, I mean, I, I think tr Trump tried to do that, but my goodness, they were, they were oppressing him at every turn. They were charging him at every turn, you know? And, um, I mean, wow. You know, if there's ever been a president who's had people out for him, um, you know, it, you know, it was just from day one. So yeah, I, I, I totally agree with, with the premise here that you've set out here today, son. I think that's right on. And, um, it's just a good, there are a lot of lessons in there, I think, for all of us. 
You know, one of the things that we're facing here in Los Angeles is we are the epicenter right now of this COVID-19 virus. Uh, FEMA has designated L.A. as the most dangerous place in America um, as far as COVID goes. And you think about the, the events of the summer, and people were telling us all along that this big wave was going to come. You know, they warned us. They shut down 4th of July. They shut down, you know, all the holidays, you know, when you had um, Labor Day, you know, they closed beaches um, during the summer, you know, holiday months. And then they tell us, you know, cancel Thanksgiving, cancel Christmas, you know, so they knew this was coming. And yet now we're in a situation where we have a vaccine. And I know it's similar in New York, but out here in California, we don't have a way to distribute these vaccines. And there's getting the vaccines to the people for those that want them are becoming problematic. And it's things like that, you know, they focus so much on something of a political nature of impeaching the president, of dealing with all this hatred towards one man. But what they now have forgotten and what they didn't realize is how are they going to take care of people, especially with COVID? And of course, they're going to blame the president for the next four years. Biden can do anything that he wants. It could go horribly wrong. And for some reason, it'll be Trump's fault, you know. So yeah. uh, you got that coming. But again, right. they didn't take into consideration, you know, the fact that, okay, what are we going to do when the vaccine comes out? You know, and sure, they're going to say, oh, the president should have. No, but this is a state issue. State politicians should have right. been focused on their constituents and be like, okay, when this vaccine rolls out, how are we going to get it distributed to the people? You know, that's one example. Yeah. Another example yeah. that's really been plaguing Southern California, especially Los Angeles, even more, it's like grown exponentially, is our homeless population. You have homeless camps just popping up, and you have these, like, tents and blue tarps everywhere. I mean, it's a blight on society out here. And there's places yeah. where you used to be able to go as tourists that now yeah. you can't even go anymore because deemed too dangerous. Um, with the homelessness and the lawlessness that goes on. And just the other day, there was a new story about Venice Beach, which is a popular beach community, and there was a big fire broke out, and it caught on to uh, one of the adjacent buildings. But what happens is these homeless people will sit there, and they'll just get mad at each other, so they'll light their tents on fire. Um, right. you know, so, so there's all kinds of this stuff going on, and it's been going on here for years and years but it's like nobody wants to pay attention to these things because they're too focused on kind of like these superficial political things. And the last four years, it was Trump. And it's like nothing ever gets done. It's like if you had the zeal and the effort, you might be able to – that you took with trying to oust a president for four years. You could put that into something that's more meaningful, and you might actually get something betterment for society and better for the citizens of that area. Oh, my goodness. Exactly, Son. Uh, you know – Living here in the Midwest, uh, you know, it's it's you know, hard to picture exactly what what you everyone out there are experiencing with that. I know um, here in the past couple of years, you know, from time to time, I would check out this radio program that was based out of San Francisco, and I would pull up uh, KSRO, the San Francisco uh, news station there online, and, and be listening. And, and just once in a while, I would listen to a little bit of that uh, program. And one thing I noticed is it was in the afternoon. I mean, it seemed like more often or not, you know, they, they, they get to a traffic report there um, during the commercial time. And, you know, there's this accident and there's this or that. And, and there's this fire in the homeless camp, you know, after this, at this back or whatever. I'm thinking to myself, wow. I mean, and so what you're describing there, son, I mean, you know, I don't know if you've had it as bad in L.A. as they have in San Francisco. But, I mean, my goodness, I mean, how, how do these cities 
let it let it get to that point. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just neglect. It has to be. You know, they're focused on things that aren't even like real. You know, you've got now yeah. now you've got you know all these lockdowns that have closed businesses, and we're starting yeah. to hear about you know fiscal issues you know is the state going to be short on tax you have elon musk for example leaving california heading to texas so i'm sure there's going to be a huge um you know tax va- uh, vacancy so to speak in 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 future taxes because his company's gone and the people right. that work for him you know and that's high dollar tax and so you know there's all kinds of things. in fact they were talking about having a policy and implementing a law which i don't know if they would be able to get away with where if you live in california yeah. for a certain amount of time and then you left you would still have tax liability for the next 10 years in California. That's what they want to try oh. to do because they're concerned about, you know, a lack of, uh, of taxation money because because the, they, they, de- they, de- they depend so much on the rich, so to speak, and their taxes mm-hmm. to bring in money because we're kind of a two-tiered state. You're a rich state and you're a poor state, you know, poor people. You've got the uh, social right. welfare, welfare people and the rich elite. And that's really the two type of people. The middle class is kind of nowhere to be seen anymore. And, you know, you have a lot of businesses and a lot of things closed down. And so how's the government gonna, of California going to make up those funds, especially when they're just yeah. doling out money right and left, you know, for different things? You know, we had uh, unemployment, I think upwards of a, of a billion dollars in unemployment were given to people that wow. weren't deserving of it, like prisoners and, you know, fraud. It was basically yeah. fraud. Yeah. And so, again, you, you start to sit and you look at these issues and you're like, okay, when the pandemic hit, the first thing we were concerned about was taking sides as to whether or not you supported the fact that it was something serious or it wasn't. And then it was like, let's base policies based on how we can take a pandemic and turn it around so we can win an election. And then how can we take the pandemic and what went wrong with it and point fingers at each other so that way we have fault being blamed for people instead of sitting down and being like, you know what? This is what happened. This is what's going on. We need to figure out how we can fix this. I mean, you think the governor of New York, you know, he put those people in the nursing home that had COVID. He forced the nursing home. And then when the COVID spread and more people died in the nursing homes because of it, he sits there and denies it and blames Trump. You know, it's like, what are we doing? Is is self-responsibility no longer an issue anymore? Do we not take responsibility for our actions? Are we just going to blame everybody? And if that's the case, then what are we even doing? You know, why don't we just form our small little cultic groups again and everybody just form form their own communes and we just live communal again because our politicians aren't taking personal responsibility people don't take personal responsibility it's just a blame game and then we try to get out of the being at fault yeah yeah and blame something else when you're the one that's responsible you know the buck stops here when it comes to city hall in la but now you know eric garcetti hasn't done anything for years and our city has fallen apart yeah Oh, my goodness, Simon. You know, I saw a headline here this week, and um, I had an idea of what it was pointing to because I had heard uh, of this here recently. But the headline was basically uh, saying that um, the snowflakes, you know, some of these, these, some of the young folks who just um, can't seem to handle anything that's just not, you know, exactly in line with their, uh, with the ideology they've been spoon fed. Um, you know, there's some snowflakes who are just like, um, you know, in favor of removing Donald Trump's cameo appearance from a famous holiday movie, you know, Home Alone. I mean, Trump makes that, you know, that appearance for a few seconds there in the hotel as, um, you know, uh, the, the little the little guy comes walking by. And um, I mean, you know, imagine if, if like conservatives were like trying to get, you know, Obama 
uh, his cameo removed from some movie or something. I mean, it's just insanity. I mean, this, this Trump derangement syndrome has gone so far beyond. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, it, 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 it really, it really seems to verge on mental illness on, I mean, I mean, I, I've known of people who, I mean, they seriously cannot seem to function uh, in life if, if, you know, if, if, for example, they know somebody who supports Trump or, and, and, and all that, you know, this lockdown culture now, anything associated with Trump, it's like, you know, if you ever knew Donald Trump, now you should be, you know, expelled from the country. I mean, it's just, it's insanity, you know, and, and, you know, with Trump now uh, being impeached or trying to impeach him again, you, you would think that they got, you know, yeah, one more pound of flesh out of him, but that's not enough. You know, it's like one of these politicians, or no, I guess it was maybe a, uh, somebody uh, from the uh, the mainstream media who, who I, I, I read had made some comment on, on some show that, you know, hey, it's one thing to get rid of Trump, but what are we going to do with these, you know, 75 million people? How are we going to, you know, I don't know if you said get rid of them or how are we going to, you know, change them, basically. So it's like they don't get it. Uh, you know, they, they, they don't understand that this is America where, where people with differing views uh, need to be able to live peacefully. But no, that's not good enough for them. You know, they want to shut it down, shut it up. And, and it, you know, it's not different than what the Pharisees did to Jesus. You know, they wanted to, I mean, they killed him, you know? I mean, the, the, the religious leaders, the, the Romans, I mean, soldiers there, I mean, you know, they killed him. And, and so um, I, there'd be plenty of people, I think, that if they could, they would, um, they would, stone, uh, they would stone Trump. You know, I, I read today, I don't even know who this guy is, but some billionaire made some comment that this, uh, this um, congressman from Florida, Gates, uh, but the headline read, you know, he, his face, he's just got like the perfect face you'd want to punch. So, so you can stir up those kind of feelings toward conservatives and, you know, you won't get shut down on Twitter. The culture won't tell you, you know, hey, you're, you're stirring up violence. Um, but, I mean, you know, boy, you, you make one mistake on the other side. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's, uh, it has parallels, I think, son, to what Jesus and the disciples and what Christians have experienced, you know, for 2,000 years. I mean, again, you know, we're talking about, you know, conservative politics, conservative views. You know, in, in terms of, of, of Trump and those who are looking at a lot of those things the same way. And then you've got spiritual views where where Christians are looking at things from um, the point of view of the Bible and with sanctified reason that the Holy Spirit has given us to understand the gospel. And and there seems to be, it doesn't just seem to be, I mean, we know that there's a, there's a spiritual hatred for Jesus in the world. Uh, you know, Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And, and uh, you know, I mean, Trump is no messiah, you know, make no mistake about that. Um, but but and it's so much bigger than Trump, uh, you know, but, you know, Trump or anybody who's espousing any conservative views, um, there is a hatred that, that, that folks have for for those ideas um, and for the people then. And, and, and I don't you know, I don't see that coming from conservative folks. I mean, yeah, you can point to that that uh, that rally and you can point to those extremists who obviously um, you know, we're committing crimes and, and doing things that were wrong there uh, at the end of that rally as they stormed the Capitol. But, but by and large, I mean, when over the last year at any of these other rallies, um, you know, when have you ever seen, you know, any conservatives, um, you know, going to violence? I mean, yeah, you've got extremists who, who would like to maybe call themselves, you know, right wing and others would like to call them right wing. But as far as I'm concerned, you're not conservative. If you're um, engaged in violence against, 
you know, those who have different views than, your, than yours. That's not conservative. There's nothing conservative about that. Um, conservative uh, values uh, have to do with respecting others, even if they disagree. And, and we live in a, uh, in a society where there's a plurality of, of views and thoughts, and we need to be uh, gracious toward those with whom we disagree. And we didn't see any of that all year long with the protests. No graciousness, the looting, the violence, the protests. And what we saw there at the Capitol, that was of the same sort of, of uh, spirit um, with the extremists who went in there and did that. Now, was that, you know, uh, a tenth of a percent of the people who were there that day? I don't know. I, it wasn't right. I mean, however many it was, it wasn't right. Um, you know, but my goodness, I mean, should, should those people have not gone to Washington? Um, you know, should people not? Um, engage in peaceful uh, marches and so forth. So, so yeah, I mean, everybody knows where that thing went uh, off the deep end there. But, uh, hey, there's plenty of blame to go around this year, and, and we need to get back to the Lord if we're going to be able to have peace and, and love toward our opponents, be they spiritual, political, um, you know, or just opponents on a different athletic team for crying out loud. I mean, you know, we, we need God in our life or we're just going to end up just living a life of hate and, and, and name calling and violence and all the rest. Dan, what does it say for a person in a society when they accept, they applaud and cheer things like this? Remember when they had those rally in DC and, um, Madonna was talking about blowing up the white house you have Robert De Niro talking about wanting to punch Trump in the face. You have Kathy Griffin on Twitter with a severed head of the president, but you know none of that gets banned on Twitter. No, you've got, you know, no, of course not. You got Johnny Depp talking about, you know, when was the last time an actor assassinated a president? You know, you have uh, comments like when they go low, we go lower. When uh, you yeah. know Obama talks about if they bring a knife to the fight, we bring a gun. Or how he was talking about, you know, he wants to get somebody to go beat up Sean Hannity. You know, it's a lot of violence and that comes from one side. I mean, these are factual things. You can go and actually Google them or maybe use, you know, another search engine if you're a conservative like Quant or something. But you can go and you can actually see that these are things that people said. And it's Mm -hmm. cheered upon. And then all summer long, we were told on numerous CNN accounts of, of TV news highlight reels and stuff that violence was okay. You know, you have a, you have a news camera guy focusing the camera on the reporter. And in the background, you've got, you know, buildings being burned and we're told these are peaceful protests. So one side is preaching hate. That's fact. And yet Mm -hmm. we're told over and over and over again, that violence is okay. Violence is okay. But it's only if you agree with their side. So what, yeah. what does it say to a society when we get to the point where you're like, it's okay with violence. It's okay to speak out and, and want to have the rhetoric of killing somebody or punching somebody in the face or blowing up the White House. And people applaud and they cheer that. You know, and then it happens on, on Capitol Hill. And now all of a sudden it's treason and it's all this other stuff. I mean, how twisted can, can the mind be in that thinking? And how hard does the heart have to get when that's your ideology? Yeah. Yeah, that really is the issue, isn't it, Son? It's a heart issue. And, um, you know, the Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful uh, beyond all things, you know, and beyond cure. Or I should say the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. So, um, you know, man is very good at um, engaging in wickedness and hatred and holding grudges. And that that comes natural to man. And, And that comes natural, we should add, too, Son, 
that come that comes natural to a person, whether they're a liberal or a conservative. Um, you know, if you're not careful, um, you know, you, you may hold conservative values or you may hold liberal values, but if you're not careful, you will let hate come into your heart for those you disagree with. And this is where Jesus has so much uh, to say that can help us. Uh, he has so much to do that can save us and deliver us from ourselves. I mean, you know, Trump really imploded um, when, you know, if he had just, you know, followed the example of Mike Pence and Franklin Graham, um, he could have spared himself and, and, you know, the nation from now what we're going to have to endure, you know, with, uh, you know, with, with the, the next administration. Um, but, but he imploded. He, uh, you know, he seemed to lose, lose control. Uh, I think that if, you know, in those rallies that he was holding, if he had asked Mike Pence and Franklin Graham to open and close those rallies with about seven or eight minutes of prayer, just think, on 15 minutes of prayer. And if he had cut out the 15 minutes of personal attacks against uh, Joe Biden, which, you know, that, that didn't, um, really didn't do anything. Uh, it wasn't, that wasn't something the Holy Spirit's going to anoint with power. But boy, the Holy Spirit would sure have anointed those prayer times. And, and so, um, my goodness, whenever we're in the political realm, there's always so much blame to go around. Uh, and I'm sure Donald Trump will learn a lot. I hope anyway. I hope he learns a lot, you know, from this. Um, but, but those of us who are conservative, you know, we expect more out of uh, those conservative leaders than we do out of the liberal leaders. You know, we, we don't expect the liberal leaders to, to take a, a stand for biblical righteousness. Not when they're out flaunting, you know, abortion and, and, and sexuality and whatever manner, you know, feels right to you. Not when they're out promoting, um, you know, that, that, that parents and teachers should, um, should encourage, you know, five and six year old children who are having gender confusion. I mean, that, that's child abuse, uh, to try to steer a child in the direction of, of, uh, hormone therapy and then eventually surgery. That is child abuse. But when you're living in darkness, you don't see it. You, you, you somehow in your mind, it's so twisted. You think it's like some civil rights issue or, you know, that, that four year old child has the right. That little boy has a right to be a girl. That little girl has, has the right to be a boy if they want to be. Who are we to tell them? Because that's how twisted our society has gotten, Son, that, that we, we become so convinced in our society that everyone gets to define their own truth. I mean, this, this has been preached now for decades in America. You know, you can't tell me that what I believe isn't true. Um, you know, I mean, I can have my truth. You can have your truth, even though they may contradict, even though it may um, go against science. And, you know, you and I have talked about this, but I mean, all the people who would, you know, we're, we're just preaching over and over again with, with COVID and everything, you know, science, 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 or with climate change, you know, their version of science, science, science. But my goodness, when it comes to something a hundred times more important, and that is, you know, the tender heart of a little child and their understanding of the world and of themselves, that, that when they're starting to get this twisted, sick idea, you know, as a five-year-old, and it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a psychological delusion. On. It's, it's a, it's not, you know, it's not a moral failure on their part. They're not, you know, it's not like they're, they're, they're sinning. I mean, they don't, you know, they don't know any better than that. They're not choosing to, uh, to do that, but they've been, they've seen it maybe on TV. And so now this little five-year-old gets this idea, or maybe these two little seven-year-old girls get this idea. Well, we want to be boys, you know, and we saw somebody else who was a girl and became a boy. Well, when, when, when your society becomes so sick that there is no absolute truth, and when you throw God and the Bible away, 
then that's what you're left with. You're left with a society that not only has has just accepted, you know, all manner of, of sexual uh, immorality and, and, and trying to, to say, oh, okay, God's okay with that. But, but now uh, once that domino fell, the next domino was uh, the domino of gender confusion. And, and so um, that's what we're seeing right now. And, uh, you know, people need prayer. These children need prayer who are being um, misled, uh, sometimes even by parents or by, by you know, schools, uh, by, by a society that says, you know, we're not going to tell you that if, if you have, for example, um, a, uh, a desire for sex before marriage, or if you have a desire for same-sex uh, uh, activity, or if you have a desire to be different gender. I mean, society really doesn't have anything, uh, unless unless our, our culture truly son, wants to go to the bedrock of scripture, um, then, you know, Martin Luther saw this 500 years ago. I mean, he, he prophesied, basically, and predicted, son, he, he, he had this great quote where he said, you know, any institution, any educational institution that is not grounded in the word of God will ultimately prove to lead to the gates of hell. And he nailed this thing, son, 500 years ago. I mean, you can't try to educate people and then um, just let morals go in any direction you want them to go. It won't work. It simply won't work. And, and, and you may you may provide some some factual intelligence. Um, you know, you, you may provide some mathematical knowledge or historical knowledge or whatever it is. But but if you are going to if you're going to just build your own uh, your own morality, if you're going to build that, um, and we, we, we see what happens when man tries to come up with his own. You know, let's face it, it doesn't work. It comes crumbling down. And, and if anything, son, should, should show America that it was a huge mistake to embrace uh, same-sex uh, activity, it, it should be now the, the next domino to fall. If anything should convince America that, that I mean, you, know, you, you would hope that the Bible would be enough to convince people that, hey, God doesn't want this. God doesn't want adultery. God doesn't want you know, uh, fornication. God doesn't want homosexual activity, but you would think that that if anything would convince the nation that, you know, uh, that, that the cultural values, the cultural sexual ethic has gone so far astray, um, it, it, it should be this gender, uh, this gender dogma that's being pushed. And I tell you, Son, for the life of me, I, I shouldn't have been, but I was so shocked to start to see how many people Hook, line, and sinker, you know, we're, we're buying that. In fact, I remember a statistic uh, uh, maybe a year or so ago, and it said something like 70-some percent of Democrats, I don't know why they were, you know, it was just something involving some political poll, obviously, but they said 70-some percent of Democrats, you know, uh, believe that the gender that you have at birth isn't necessarily um, the one that you are uh, destined to live with. So what does that tell you? You know, if, if, if your gender is fluid, you know, then then why why wouldn't everything else uh, be fluid? Uh, but that's how far we've come. We've become so untethered. You know, uh, we're, we're floating out there in the wind. You know, here in Nebraska, as you well know, um, when the Huskers in, in Memorial Stadium score the, the make their first score there in Lincoln, Nebraska, you know, uh, thousands of red balloons are, are going up in the air. You know, whether it be a field goal or a touchdown, and um, you know. That is a picture of of what the educational, uh, you know, academia has brought to America, what the entertainment industry, what the media, what the cultural elites have brought to America are are these floating balloons, and and that's 
there's no basis for sexuality other than what you feel. There's no basis for gender other than what you feel. Uh, there, there, there's no basis for, um, you know, even uh, political positions other than what you feel. You know, it's all emotional, emotional. Even though it may, it may contradict uh, uh, common sense, it may contradict the Bible, um, but if it feels good to you, then do it. And uh, I'll tell you, son, um, I guess we shouldn't be surprised that, that this is what happens when, when man says, hey, I want to live as a balloon. I don't want to live as like, you know, being in this, this, this boat with Jesus and, and being secure. I don't want that. I don't want to be in the boat with Jesus. I want to be a balloon. I want to float. Uh, I want to be, you know, like in that, that uh, animated movie, Big. I want to be like up in that house where we're taking off in the house and who knows where we're going to go. And we'll just go wherever we feel like going. Well, son, we've got it. And that's that's pretty much uh, what, what you see going on in America right now. And that's not to, you know, say that, you know, some people, you know, that, that you know, you and I, for example, we're talking about these issues. We're not saying that we're one, one stitch better than anybody. All we're doing is pointing out that this is what happens to all of us. And then collectively to a nation, when you just throw caution to the wind and you say, I'm going to live my life according to my feelings. Um, and the Bible, oh, forget that. That's outdated. You fundamentalists can live according to that if you want, but not me. And, and I tell you, son, we see the fruit of it uh, every single day. You know, the other thing, Dan, it seems like, you know, truth is being kind of kicked to the wayside. Like, people don't want to believe in truth, you know? You talk about the the gender identity, you know, and, and we have this COVID thing going on, and all we hear is we have to believe science. We have to believe science. We have to believe science, yeah. you know? But yeah. then, like you said, science dictates to us that you're either male or female. But no, exactly. we're going to dismiss that. That's not truthful. Um, you know, we believe all women. We believe all women, you know, when it came to the Kavanaugh, the you know, sexual accusations against him. But then when right. Tara Reid brings it up against Biden, no, we don't believe her. All the times it was brought up against, you know, former President Clinton, no, we don't believe them. And so it's mm-hmm. like, you know, we don't have no truth. You know, we don't we don't want to believe in truth. We just want to, like you said, believe whatever we want to believe, even if it's contradictory, right. even if it's hypocrisy, because they right. don't have truth. They don't have the foundation of truth. And so, you know, it right. makes it even kind of even more ridiculous when you look at them to give them any amount of credibility and it's yeah. the only thing you can do is just dismiss them as, you know, lunatics because when they say we believe in science and that's why we have to wear masks and distance and everything because that's what science dictates. But then in the very right. next sentence, they're going to say, oh, no, there's no there's there's biology doesn't matter. Well, biology is science. How can you say we believe exactly. in science and then totally discredit science? You know, and so there's no truth. And like you said, they just become a balloon floating in the air or like a jellyfish bobbing with the ebb and flow of the tide. And they take some wherever they they want to go, you know, or, or takes it wherever it's going to go. And they just go along for the ride. And that's why I think that we are to the state that we are today. There is no foundation. You know, like you mentioned, education, no. the educational system isn't teaching education. They're teaching indoctrination. You've got people that, you know, you can be anything you want. Let's blame the the, the, the criminal and or let's blame the victim and let's, you know, sympathize with the criminal because he had a bad life. You know, um, mm-hmm. there's all these things that we go through. And I think that's what's led us to where we are today. You know, people don't have truth. People have neglected God. They don't want mm-hmm. to uh, follow any type of uh, creed or code. You know, right. and and then on top of it, you just throw out logic and reason and forget about sanctified reason, but just general reason. 
and yeah. you throw that out and then that's and that's what we get you know you get people that just have are just complete lunatics that have lost and it's almost yeah. like i know when we talk about the bible talks about the retrobate mind we think of something that's like yeah. very um you know sinister and very ugly you know maybe like you know a right. charles manson or somebody like that right. but really it could right. just be someone as common as someone with no common sense dreaming up these things yeah. like oh you know gender identity doesn't count there is no such thing as you know two genders or like a, a two-year-old who's a boy is now wants to be identified as a girl because the parents said that the boy told them are you kidding me right now two-year-old doesn't yeah. know anything about gender or sex and you're saying that he wants right. to be identified right. as a girl no that's just you in, in putting exactly. you know your parental uh thing on him and so it's just it's just crazy that we've gotten to this place and i don't know how we can get back to and i don't know if we can on a national yeah. level get back right. to some of these you know traditional values that we've had because there's just too many lunatics out there believing all this nonsense that's going on well son when our nation was founded you know i wonder how many college students today realize that the ivy league schools for example they were started hundreds of years ago to spread the gospel okay now now, we have so flipped the script on that, um, and it is so sad to see. You know, I have thought for the longest time, Son, that really in America, science is king. Um, you know, and, and for many people, you know, uh, king science is way more authoritative in their minds than king Jesus. Um, I mean, you know, obviously for those who, who are not believers, those who are not followers of Christ, then, you know, they don't, they wouldn't. I'm sure claim Jesus to, to be a king or be their king, certainly. Um, but, you know, even that only goes so far, son. It's even worse than that, okay? It's worse than just science being king. And, and the whole gender uh, mess has, has, has made that so apparent. Um, when push comes to shove and, and man's personal uh, desires get, um, get interrupted and, and, and get challenged by by scripture, uh, and even by science, man is, is showing here in America that ultimately um, man is king. You know, man is God in America. Man is king. Uh, and, and that's what the gender confusion shows, because, you know, they, they, they have claimed for so long, science, 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 as you said, Song, but that's not science. Um, not, not when they, 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 they start to you know, really take the, uh, the just the illogical um, position that somehow biology is bigotry. No, it isn't. Biology isn't bigotry. You know, the chromosomes that you were born with, that's not bigotry. Um, you know, you were born as a male or a female. Now, if you became confused about that, then, you know, you, you deserve great compassion and great help, just like the person who has become confused about their weight. So the person who's anorexic, son, Oh, I haven't heard of anybody starting a campaign to we need to raise money so that people who are anorexic can can be given free liposuction because surely that will solve their problem. And, and you know what, son, if, if that message started getting preached in, in the schools, uh, I, I'm sure we would have plenty of young girls who are sadly mistaken about their weight, uh, sadly confused, sadly anorexic, uh, you know, not that. You know, they're, they're, they're to blame for those feelings, um, but, but they are, you know, they, they, they found themselves at that point. Um, you know, if, if we were to see campaigns starting for liposuction, it would be no less evil than these campaigns to push 
uh, hormone suppressing drugs and ultimately surgery on children and teenagers and adults. It would be no less evil. You know, this is this is science fiction that has just gone so far off the charts, you know, of, of uh, these little experiments. These little children are going to become our experiment. Um, and, and so if a child says, mommy or daddy, you know, I think I'm the opposite sex, you know, even though, you know, 90 some percent of kids who experience gender confusion, uh, gender dysphoria at a young age, they, they grow out of it. But no, not today. You're not allowed to grow out of it. You're, you're not even allowed, you know, probably many places even have counseling for it. I mean, you know, they, they, they succeeded at that sign in terms of, you know, counseling people who have, you know, um, unwanted same sex uh, attraction. You know, uh, you know, it used to be even the American Psychological Association not too many years ago said that, you know, same sex attraction is a psychological disorder. Now, they weren't saying that to say that people who have that attraction are less important or, or that they are bigger sinners. I mean, I don't even know that they would even call it sin because, you know, they're a psychological, you know, uh, association. They're not dealing with, with sin. They're just dealing with, um, you know, things that go on within the human body and the human mind. And, and so all of a sudden, though, that had to be changed. You know, that had to be changed because, um, oh, no, I mean, you know, uh, we, we, we could never tell someone that their feelings are wrong. And, and look what it's produced. Uh, it's produced people who dabble in experiments, and it's no different than if somebody dabbles with uh, fornication, you can easily get hooked. Uh, those who dabble with homosexual activity can easily get hooked. I mean, we're all sinners. And, and, but, but the problem becomes when you start removing the sin word, and, and I tell you, Son, there's no greater evidence of that than when, you know, mainline denominations, as we've seen today, you know, the, the largest, you know, mainline denominations and, you know, Lutheranism and, and the Methodist Church and, 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 you know, the Presbyterian. And, I mean, these denominations that historically have preached the Bible and God's plan for sexuality have completely caved and, and have, have given in to the cultural, the, uh, the, the, the cultural drift away from God's word to this idea that, well, you know, um, who are we to tell someone? And, and, you know, we, we've heard the Pope say things, you know, uh, you know, who am I to judge? Who are we to judge? Well, wait a minute. You know, you don't even sound like any apostle in the Bible here, Mr. Pope. Um, I mean, Paul, read, read the apostle Paul. Uh, you know, who, who are you to judge? Don't judge anybody. But by all means, um, determine true doctrine and false doctrine, you know, but it's this emotional thing. Who are we to judge? Who are we to judge? Boy, that's a, that's a life in the pit of hell, son, that somehow people, you know, you're, you're not judgmental as long as you don't label something as wrong or sinful. Now, if you do that with, with a holier-than-thou attitude or looking down on someone or making them out to be a bigger sinner, well, then, yeah, that is judgmental. That's wrong, you know, but there is an issue of sin. And that's what the world has a problem with, son. They have an issue with sin. They don't want to call something sinful. Um, they don't want to call it wrong uh, because, you know, we, don't, we can't have somebody feel bad about it, you know. And, uh, you know, and, and, and if you feel so threatened by a politician that you don't agree with, um, let's start a campaign that we, we remove him from a movie. He had a five-second role in a movie. I mean, it, this is how crazy it's become. So it goes back to your original premise, son. When we're not focused on the right things, oh my goodness, not only are we not really helping people, we're creating so many more problems. So um, it does come back to just really ultimately being part of a, of a 
Bible-believing uh, and preaching church where the Word is being gracefully and faithfully and humbly taught. I mean, you know, the best we can do in this lifestyle is to accept Christ as Savior, seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, walk in His Word, and um, it's going to be a bumpy ride, especially in America right now. Uh, you know, like this plane with turbulence, there's plenty of turbulence right now in America. But, you know, hang on. You know, if you're a believer, hang on. Um, you know, this plane will land for you safely. It will land for you. And the question is, um, you know, how many others can we uh, try to help and reach, um, you know, while there's still time for them? So that, that's our, uh, that's the work we have cut out for us. And, and one last point, on thing we have to remember is, I mean, this world is never going to be some perfect heaven on earth. There will always be sin. We will always have sin uh, that we'll have to fight against. There will always be people in the world promoting, you know, wrong ideas because, 2,000 years ago, if they're going to go ahead and crucify the Lord of glory, the sinless, perfect Lamb of God, well, then i tell you what, son, we really shouldn't be too surprised when, 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 when people hate, you know, Christianity today or, or just hate other people in general. I mean, you know, hate, hate, hate Jewish people or, or any people for that matter. So um, it comes back to just knowing God, loving God, and then asking him to help us love others. You know, Dan, it makes me wonder if the church isn't part of the responsibility for where we are today. And the reason why I say that, and I'm talking about the church in general, I remember there was a move back in college where our church went from a traditional style church to that that wanted to become less offensive to the non-believer. In an effort to bring more people in to the church, things such as the cross was taken down. Um, you know, conviction and messages of conviction were being diluted because we didn't want people to squirm in the, in the pews. And, you know, outreach to the non-believer was ramped up, but the message was completely diluted down because we didn't want them to be convicted because we want them to come back. And so, right. you know, and I think of Willow Creek Church, you know, they were one that instrumental in having this type of full cycle evangelism that was about right. that, you know. And I remember years later, it was 20 years later, they did a research and uh, they kind of did some sort of polling or data collection about, you know, mm-hmm. what their ministry had been like for the last 20 years. And it was interesting because most respondents said that in the first couple of years, whatever their ministry ideology was, it was good for the first year or two, maybe three, of yeah. someone that was yeah. not a Christian coming into the church. But then what right. was vacant and void was years three and beyond. There was no depth. Yeah. There was no building no. up of the body. There was no, That's how right. do we mature this Christian? How do we give them from milk to meat? And so then people right. would fall off and they'd go back into the world. And so it's almost like, you know, in an, in an effort to to save people and to bring sanctified reason and the gospel message to people, it's like we watered down the message and we left out things like conviction and sin and repentance and, and you know, the sacrifice that's going to take because the road is narrow. The road is a tough one. It's not wide and filled right. with all the fun stuff. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rocky road. Life's not going to be all roses. You know, we've talked about it before. People in the prosperity gospel world, you know, name it and claim it, mark it and park it. God wants to release all his blessings upon you. When the Bible specifically says, you know, lay up your treasures in heaven, not here on earth where moth and rust yeah. corrupt, thieves break in and steal, you know? And so it's right. like, it's almost like we diluted the Bible and the gospel message and people are now accepting that, you know, we go to church and 
it's, you know, I don't really care about the dress, but, you know, we, we've lost that reverence for church. You know, we show up, at right. least out here in California, you know, we show up in flip-flops, sure. you know, and, and board shorts and, you know, and, and stuff like that and becomes a place to be seen, um, you know, right. and whether the, the performance or the ceremony of the church itself is more important, you know, the, than, than actual the message being sent, you know, and so forth. And it's almost like we've diluted it down to the point where now when people call themselves a Christian, they might actually believe it. But what they're believing isn't the true Christianity that the Bible is preaching. It's not the biblical principles because you look at people that say, I'm a Christian, but I'm for abortion. I'm a Christian, right. but I believe in same sex marriage. I'm a Christian, but I believe that, you know, uh, there could be, you know, uh, gay pastors. All that is right. against the Bible. It's against the very thing yeah. that you're teaching. It would be like saying that, you know, I'm a pacifist and then you go kill everybody. You know, it's, it's like, right. it's like, a contradiction but then again you get to the point where it's like society lives on contradiction we believe in science but we don't we believe this but we don't we believe in violence but not when you do it against us and so it's almost like the church has fallen into that and people that's their religion and so when they hear about christianity it's just you know another thing along the way i'm going to call myself and they don't really have the fundamental foundations of a biblical you know christianity well no and and it really is um, it is a, a matter of, of spiritual life. It's a matter, matter son of spiritual growth. You know, in First Peter two, it says, "Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation." Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, so it, it calls for an individual to be reborn spiritually through faith in Christ, as 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 he or she turns from their sin and trusts Jesus to forgive them, and then. Um, there's this, this, this supernatural desire for God's word that, and, but it, what we need to feed that, that we, we, we need to be part of a, uh, of a church where the word is being preached. I mean, I know we're in, in COVID days where there's a lot of stuff going on online. I mean, you know, but we need the word getting into us daily and weekly. And, and, and even if for, for somebody, you know, that might be in certain COVID situations, you know, uh, maybe uh, participating, you know, in a worship service online, listening to the, the, the message. But I mean, we have to keep getting the word in us daily. Um, you know, because again, think about the newborn baby son that, that doesn't have an appetite for, for milk. Um, we would say, well, that's a very unhealthy child. Well, okay, so like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. Why? So that by it, you may grow up in your salvation. So it, it's not a real complicated formula. And, and I like what you said, too, Simon. We've talked about this before, but like, you know, the whole seeker senses movement, it, it, it's almost like it replaced, you know, just the, the, the biblical process of discipleship with focusing so much on on marketing and on numbers and on attendance and on making people feel good. I mean, it got to a point where, I mean, you're having churches like do almost like the kind of the late night uh, talk show approach, you know, and turning it into comedy hour. And, and I mean, it's crazy what, what we've seen churches turn to uh, to try to entertain people because my goodness, I mean, the world does that. So uh, why can't we do that? Well, because the church isn't called to entertain the world. Um, the church is called to preach the gospel, to reach lost sinners uh, for heaven uh, because they're on their way to hell. But Jesus came and suffered and died in our place, you know, to pay for our sins. You know, it's kind of like um, I heard somebody say one time that, you know, a pastor uh, has to ultimately make a, make a decision. Uh, is he going to be a politician or is he going to be a prophet? And, 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 and likewise, I think a church has to make uh, a decision. 
Are we going to be uh, a, a, a kind of a social club that entertains people and we, we know we're reaching our goals if our numbers are going up? Or are we going to be a spiritual organism that is faithful to the Word of God and we ask God for, uh, for growth, first and foremost, first and foremost for spiritual growth among those he's given us, uh, but then also that the lost people will be reached. But this pragmatic Madison Avenue uh, corporate approach where, you know, all of a sudden this switch was made and well, no, the, the, the pastor's not really a shepherd and not really a proclaimer of the word as much as he's, he's a CEO, you know, and, and I mean, the whole thing, you know, like you say, son, got, got turned around. And um, so the church has, uh, you know, just like we've said, you know, Donald Trump has got, you know, some issues here where he certainly is, is culpable in terms of, um, you know, just stirring people up in a way that would not have happened if, if there had been more prayer at those rallies and, and especially there in Washington, just like the, the, uh, the, the Washington prayer march that Franklin Graham had a few months back. I mean, if, if, if Donald Trump had followed that example from Franklin Graham and Mike Pence, I mean, I think he'd be getting ready right now for his second term. But, but we all lose control, just like he did. I mean, um, with his, even with, after all he's gotten done in that role, we all, son, we, we end up losing control. We don't have self-control without the Holy Spirit giving us that, um, that self-control and all the other fruit of the Spirit. So we need the Word, we need, we need a Christian church, and we need to be focused more on spiritual health than just on what the world defines as successful. Um, you know, bigger numbers, bigger buildings, this or that. Um, I mean, hey, if the Lord blesses your church with bigger numbers, I mean, great, but, but make sure that, that, you know, folks are being discipled, that, that the Word is being faithfully preached, um, and that you're not caving to, uh, you know, to, to the message of the world. So um, we've all got a lot to learn on this. And, uh, you know, um, I'm just thankful, Son, for your, for your podcast, you know, for Sanctified Reason, because, boy, if there was ever a day that, that you know, you and I and, and all believers and, and, you know, certainly unbelievers who need to enter into this realm, um, if there was ever a day we need Sanctified Reason, it's today. And uh, I'm just so thankful for God's word, though, because when we start to go astray, uh, and again, this kind of comes full circle to where you started the discussion today, Son, when, when, when we start to get obsessed with, maybe we're, we're so obsessed with politics that we're not spending time in the word of God, or we're getting so discouraged by politics, or maybe so excited about politics. But, you know, as, as Christians, we, we serve King Jesus, and that's our highest calling. And uh, so... Um, you know, this is this is what the Lord would would have us to do. You know, going forward, and um, by by His grace, Son, we'll be able to we'll be able to continue to to get that message out there and to to help others. You know, try to wrap their mind around and fill their mind with things that are actually help them in the kingdom of God, rather than just distract them, disturb them, stir them up. Maybe even you know give them uh, attitudes of hatred toward others or whatnot. You know, we we need the Lord to to prevent that in our lives. And you think about Jesus's ministry, you know, sure, he spoke to the 5,000, he fed them um, with that miraculous meal, but his work, when you read the Gospels, it's really one-on-one. That's where he does the most impact. You know, you think of all the stories in there, a lot of it's just one-on-one or maybe, you know, small, small groups like with his disciples or whatever. And that's where his impact really came from was that close personal interaction, not with the 5,000. You know, we might not have heard about the 5,000 if it wasn't for the miraculous uh, feeding, you know, with the miracle, with the loaves and fishes, you know, Um, and some of the other bigger things that 
that we heard about in scripture. Um, you know, it was, there was some other reason that we hear about it, but when we hear Jesus really making an impact in the, in the scripture, it's he's one on one, the woman at the well, one on one. You know, when he ends up with uh, the lady that they brought, that you know, they accused of adultery. Eventually, everybody yeah. left, and he was left one on one. You know, that's right. And 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 that's what it comes down to: <clears throat> his death on the cross. You know, yeah. is for everybody, but yeah. it's one on one. It's him to us, and and that's, that's what right. and that, that that's and right. that's that relationship, him to us. Jesus isn't out there and saying, "All you come to me as a universal yeah. group." He's like, I right. stand at the door and knock. He's knocking on our own hearts. So it's, again, one-on-one. And I think that yeah. maybe, you know, that's yeah. something that we have to all take to heart is that if we truly want to reach others, if we truly want to be an impact and lead a Christ-like a Christ like life and use his example, it really comes down to the one-on-one, you know, our relationships one-on-one and how we impact people in our daily lives and bring it down to that level because that's where we're going to have the most impact, whether it be in politics, whether it be yeah. in, in, in our religious life, whether it be in our neighborhood life or social life, whatever it is, our online life. Um, yeah. You know, it comes down to that one-on-one relationship like Jesus had in the scriptures, and that is where I think he had the biggest impact. Oh, I totally agree, Son, and uh, I'm just so thankful that, that God, approaches each one of us, beginning with you and I and our families and every listener today and their families. I mean, God approaches us one-on-one. God loves us individually. God loves us so much that he gave his only life. You know, he, the Father sent his only son for our for our salvation. But you, you're exactly right, son. He loves us individually. You know, I'm convinced there'd be some church growth experts today who initially, you know, if Jesus were walking on the earth today, you know, they say, well, you're not being successful. You know, you've only got a church of 12 there. I mean, my goodness, you need to be a mega church in order to be successful. Well, try telling that son to the, you know, 80% of churches in America that have, you know, 100 or less in attendance. Does that mean, well, you know, that your success is based on your numbers? I mean, let's face it. Everybody that is a Christian is part of God's um, invisible church. Um, and while there are, you know, a relatively small number of, of mega churches, although even those now with COVID have been greatly reduced, but, but you know, pre-COVID, um, you know, you have a small number where, where maybe thousands gather on a Sunday. And, and, but, but for most churches, it, it's not that way. Most churches, uh, are, you know, maybe a hundred or less on a Sunday. Um, but regardless of the number, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head there, son. It's about, it's about meeting, you know, with the individuals. It's about ministering to the individuals. There are so many churches that have become so businesslike in their approach. It, it doesn't, the, the, the spiritual element is not deep enough. It's not committed enough to the word, and, and the relationships are not deep enough with one another. You know, when, when it becomes more like a business or like what people experience, you know, when people start experiencing politics in their church, I mean, I, I remember years ago, I, I remember somebody telling me, um, you know, I, I haven't seen politics like this in the corporate world that I'm seeing, you know, uh, now, uh, you know, and there was a situation that was going on with, with the church and, but, but this it should not be, um, it needs to be like what Jesus had with his disciples, you know, that intimate, and this is what you're talking about, son, that intimate growing relationship with the Lord, you know, Tammy and I didn't consider ourselves to be more successful as a family when we, when we, you know, had our second child or third or fourth. We've been blessed with four kids and, and that's all from the Lord, but it's not about the number. It's about just what you're doing as, as, as parents, what you're doing as a family. Um, you know, you know, not every, not every married couple is going to have children, but I mean, but if you do, it's not about the numbers. It, it, it's, it's, 
it, it, it's about um, trying to be faithful and, and trying to make disciples uh, within your home. And, and that's the way the church is to be. Um, and, you know, but, but what snuck in there, son, just like liberal theology snuck in, uh, you know, through certain doors. And man, did it ever corrupt certain churches. Uh, uh, just as liberal theology corrupted a number of, of just faithful, you know, denominations prior to that, uh, so also the, the, uh, the, the church growth marketing principles um, snuck in through one door under the guise of, well, no, but this is for evangelism. And, you know, you mentioned Willow Creek, you know, there's not, I mean, you know, Bill Hybels, right? I really appreciated him, you know, um, you know, as I was uh, starting to become a pastor and whatnot, his evangelistic, you know, passion and everything. But, but just as you say, I, I started to recognize, and many did, that you, you can become so seeker sensitive that, you know, it doesn't really even feel like when we gather on a Sunday morning, like we're really being fed much of anything, you know, it's just almost more like, you know, entertainment or, or watering things down or making things so just, you know, so light. And, and, you know, what I have found, you know, over 30 years as a pastor, son, is that, um, you know, there's a way to gracefully, um, you know, proclaim the word and, and be very evangelistic, but also um, to get plenty of meat you know, they're into the message, you know, the Bible, you know, Paul told Timothy, preach the word. So, so we have to, in our churches, be very sensitive to, uh, to lost people, be very welcoming of, of anyone that, that God's going to bring in through the doors and, and to let them know they're, they're welcome. And, and, and we want them to be, uh, to be attending and hearing the word, but, but then also to put that call out uh, for people who don't yet know Christ to repent and believe the good news. And then for the majority of the folks, uh, presumably, who, who are there, who are already believers, um, to give plenty of food. And, and um, I, I equate it to this, too, son. It, it's like a pastor uh, kind of has the challenge that a chef would have. If you told a chef, okay, we're going to be 100 people at this banquet, and there are going to be a number of infants and a number of young children, but then also people of all ages, just a smattering of all ages. And here is your, here's your task, chef. Um, you get to prepare one main meal for everybody, okay? So go for it. That's only one. You can't, you can't give people different things. Everybody gets the same thing. So it's like this is the challenge for the pastor, son, because the Bible talks about the milk, as we just read there in, in Peter, the, you know, the, the pure milk of the Word of God. So spiritual uh, babes need milk. Those more mature in faith need meat. So how do you present a message to 100 people when you've got, you know, some there who may don't, maybe don't even know Christ, and then you've got some who are babes in Christ, and then others who are mature and so hungry for the meat of the Word? So this is the challenge, but um, God helps us, and the Holy Spirit helps us. And, and um, then, we, we, you know, you, you pray a lot about it during the week, and you go into it then um, with the Word, knowing, hey, I'm going to put the Word out there and, and ask the Lord to, to use it, to um, to reach people, to grow people. But I think, uh, and I'll just conclude with this, I think maybe what, what tended to happen, maybe with the Bill Hybels model there, is it became so heavy on, you know, this idea of evangelism on Sunday morning. I mean, it, it started to become a deal, son. I've heard this for churches. You know, churches telling their people, don't come on Sunday morning, you know. <laughs> come come at the other time, because Sunday morning, we only want our guests to, to, to be able to have seats, you know. And it's like, oh, my goodness. How, how about starting, like, maybe three or four more churches so so people can come on Sunday morning, you know what I'm saying? I mean, how big do we have to get, you know? Uh, I mean, and how big have we gotten? We're, now we're telling our mature Christian folks, 
please don't come on Sunday morning. We need that seat for, for an unbeliever. It's like, you know, um, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not wanting to, uh, I don't want to judge anybody for the, for their approach. And my goodness, any church is reaching a lot of lost people. Praise the Lord for that. But, um, I do think ultimately then it, it does come back to those sound like what you said, um, you know, how, how deep is it going? And if you've got people that you're telling not to come on Sunday morning, then how about this? Rather than telling them to come on Saturday night, how about sending them out to go plant a church? You want to grow their faith, send them out. Send them out to plant a church. That's going to grow their faith, believe me. Uh, I, 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 I will tell you that by personal experience. That will grow their faith like nothing before. And, and after all, why should it just be one big church that gets bigger and bigger and bigger as a congregation? If you've got all these mature people that you're not too interested in having come on Sunday morning, you know, oh, unless of course it's where we need their money to pay for this big building, well, maybe change that model then, okay? Maybe don't try to just get bigger and bigger buildings, because after all, son, look at that, and I haven't thought much about that, but look at that now in America today. Look at the mega churches. And then sit here with these huge, colossal buildings. I mean, you can look at like Joel Osteen's, for example. Um, but there are many. And now, you know, they've got, you know, maybe, you know, maybe a third in some cases, maybe less or a few more in some places. But, but think about that. So, so that model certainly was not made for a COVID era. Nobody saw that coming, of course. But, but there are many folks who think now that this is going to have dramatic, uh, dramatic impact on the church going forward. Um, so we'll just have to see. But uh, anyway, I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, to slam, you know, mega churches by any stretch, but just to say um, that's not really what Jesus was, was, was producing with his model of, of his church of 12, you know, that he, he, he had kind of a different idea in mind than just making it bigger, 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 you know? Yeah, I agree. The, the church model, I think that America holds isn't necessarily the one that probably Jesus had in mind when he was, uh, or maybe Paul and the apostles had in mind when they were establishing the early church, but that's probably a conversation for another day, but it's always good. It's always good to, you know, self-reflect on things as a church, as an individual, you know, as a body of Christ, because that's, you know, that's how you, you find out whether or not you're doing the right thing or going to end up drinking Kool-Aid down in the jungle in South America. So, uh, that's right. I just thought of something kind of, kind of humorous on, uh, and not 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 Kool Aid, but maybe coffee. And that is, you really need Son to make sure you have an assistant every time you you bring me on your podcast. Because sometimes you need to ask me a question. Just tell your assistant, I'm gonna go grab a cup of coffee. I'll be back in ten minutes. I'm feeling Dan's gonna go on a roll here. So if you ever need to just cut me off on one of these long ones, just go right go go for it. But I appreciate uh, yeah, us being able to have these talks where uh, you know we we go into these matters uh, you know kind of in a deep deep way and and straight from the word. So. Well, we appreciate it. We appreciate your time. We thank you for taking the time to to speak with uh, speak with us here on a on a weekly basis because I know you've got yeah. uh, your own stuff going on. So, really appreciate that. And um, you bet, my pleasure, son. And we yep. look forward to many more here in twenty twenty one. And so, Amen. Uh, so uh, Dan Delzell, he's uh, author of the Christian Post. Again, you can go to christianpost dot com and in the search uh, bar there, just type in his name and. Um, he his all his articles will pop up. A lot of great stuff. You can also. Um, Go to uh, on Facebook, Redeemer Church in Papillion, Nebraska, and check out the Facebook page of the church. Um, you can also go to um, podbean.com and just type in Sanctified Reason and all of our um, past interviews pop up. Or just go to my YouTube channel, Son Edom, S-O-N-N-E-I-D-E-M, and you can look for the Sanctified Reason playlist, and you can find all of our past 
um, conversations that we've had there too. So there's places you can find it, or you can just reach out to me on Instagram. You can DM me or send me a message. I can send you a link. E I D E M R O C K S E I D E M R O C K S is uh, my Instagram. And Dan, is there a way for people to contact you? Maybe an email or something if they want more information. Sure. Or if anybody something? wanted to reach out me, uh, reach out to me uh, by email. They could just uh, email Dan Delzell, D A N D E L Z E L L at Cox C O X dot net and I'd love to hear from any uh, any listener or any questions or thoughts they might have. So once again, we thank you. Thanks, Dan. We'll see you or talk to you hopefully next week. And for uh, those yeah. of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. And until next time, God bless.